OU's got a 24-hour rule for celebrating wins. If you're not familiar, it's pretty simple. You win a game, you celebrate said win for 24 hours, then you move on to the next opponent, full focus straight ahead. I'm starting to realize that I've got my own 24-hour rule when it comes to Oklahoma football. 24 hours after the final whistle, my thoughts and takeaways tend to change and evolve from where I was one day earlier. In this case, after Oklahoma's tight 28-24 win over TCU, 24 hours later, I'm feeling something that I rarely like to admit. Emotion. I've been suckered in to the human element following the Sooners' senior night victory. And you can thank Lincoln Riley for providing the comments that forced me to take a step back and put myself in his shoes. In the shoes of all the players, particularly seniors, who were on that field Saturday night. You see, immediately after the game, my takeaways from that contest were probably pretty similar to yours. OU was once again inconsistent, fantastic for one part of the game, underwhelming to bad for another part. The Sooners had a chance at home to make a statement on national television, and they did it for the first 19 minutes of the game, and then they let an average TCU team make it a game and needed a late defensive stand and then what turned out to be a very fortunate spot on third and one to become victorious. For the most part, OU looked like the same OU team we've seen the past four games. And that's not a team that's capable of winning a college football playoff game in 2019. But 24 hours later, after I rewatched the game and rewatched Lincoln Riley's post-game comments, it hit me. Sometimes it's okay to just win. All those seniors left Owen Field a winner. All those seniors will get a chance to win another Big 12 championship in a couple of weeks. A guy like Grant Calcaterra, who led the team on the field days after he announced his retirement from football, he leaves Owen Field a winner. That's really cool. And that stuff means a heck of a lot more to guys like Grant, those seniors, Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff, than it means to a guy like me. And Riley's comments and tone after the game helped remind me of that. Now it's time for the Sooners to follow their own 24-hour rule and turn the page over to Oklahoma State. Next Saturday, OU gets a chance to put an exclamation point on what could be another successful championship November. All their goals are still out there. And as Lincoln Riley said once again following another close victory, he still thinks OU's best ball is in front of him. We'll see. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. The freshman's got the snap. Back to pass. Looks middle. Throws middle. It is knocked down. Picked off. Intercepted. Buki. It was Buki. They did it again. Brendan Radley Hiles welcomes us into this latest edition of West of Everest. His interception looked like it sealed an Oklahoma win over TCU Saturday night, but it turned out the Sooners needed to pick up a first down with the help of a fortuitous spot by the officials. OU wins by four. Sooners improve to 10 and one. What's up, everybody? Once again, I am Lee Benson, and we've got a different kind of show for you today. Grant is not here. He's in Las Vegas with his wife this week, apparently starting some sort of new Thanksgiving tradition. We'll have to ask him about that next week when he gets back. But before Grant hopped the flight from Minneapolis to the desert, 
he recorded some of his hot takeaways from Oklahoma's win over TCU, and I'll play those throughout the show. As we stand right now, I have not heard any of his thoughts, so I'll be able to react to them organically here on the podcast. I'll play Grant's general thoughts on the Oklahoma win here in a moment, but first, I do want to quickly thank all of you out there who have recently left us positive ratings and reviews on iTunes. We love the feedback, and candidly, I do appreciate the five-star ratings because our overall iTunes score had gone down below five out of five for the first time. So all of you out there who recently put a review in there of five stars, it bumped us back up to five, and that's much appreciated. We've read all of your bits of constructive criticism, and as we move on here, all of that stuff is going to be considered, and the fact that you all took the time to write about the show and and let us know what you think, as always, it does mean so much to us, and it helps us stay motivated to continue to put out interesting content, we hope, for you all, and according to a lot of your feedback, you are enjoying the show and you like what we're providing you so far here going into uh, almost to the end of our third football season doing the West of Everest podcast. Pretty incredible. So with that, let's get Grant's general thoughts on the OUTCU game. I'm going to start mostly by giving just my general thoughts on the game. And then, and then Lee will, will, will kind of bring me in later because I'm just going to have general thoughts on other different topics as well. Um, I, unfortunately, I was at a wedding tonight, and I, I wasn't able to watch the game extremely closely. However, um, I was able to follow it fairly, uh, fairly well throughout the course of the night, and, and I got a pretty good gist of the game. Um, just what a disappointing performance after getting up 21 to nothing. It seems like this team was poised to, to sort of take that next step, build off of how they finished the game in Waco last week. Um, the defense was flying around. They looked great getting off the field, getting tackles behind the line of scrimmage, um, putting a lot of pressure on Max Duggan, making him be perfect. He wasn't able to do that, obviously. And then the offense continuing to grind out drives um, and, and just, just you know scoring the first three drives of the game. But after 21 to nothing, I mean, what happened? What happened? It just, it seems like whenever this team needs to put their foot on the throat of the opposition, they're just not able to do it. And the thing that makes this even more disappointing is that it's something that they were able to do in the early part of the season. Now, I, it's, I don't know if, if this is the case, and it's, it's, it definitely seems like it's starting to become the case, or it's becoming clear at this point that maybe the teams that they played the first seven games of the year just weren't any good. And uh, they were able to get away with a lot of the stuff that they're not able to get away with now. But it just it, it seems like they're able to put together a quarter or two of really good play. And then after that, just uh, f- for the entire stretch of the game, everything disappears. Um, or not everything, but at least one side of the ball disappears. And of course, against TCU, it was the offense and the defense had to bail them out. That, that leads me to saying this, and it, it pains me to say it, but after, uh, after three consecutive seasons of being at the top, this is, this is not the best offense in college football. I think that's, that's pretty clear. Um, this is a team that appears, you know, when they go against uh, good defenses, they're a bit one-dimensional. Um, uh, Jalen Hurts, obviously, he struggled in the passing game tonight. Uh, you can just look at the box score one time and realize that um, he threw a pick six, got away with another interception on the very same drive. Uh, he's, he's a guy who, he is, he is what we thought he was. He is a, he's a gifted athlete who has put some really good football on tape, 
Uh, but he's he's a bit limited in the passing game, and um, I, I think to go a little further than that, he's a bit limited in, in the mental aspect of the game. I, I think that's where there's a clear step back from the last two guys who ran this offense. Um, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray just had 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 much greater processing speed, and and also they had a lot more time in the offense, and they were much more comfortable. And I'm sure that's that's a big part of it as well. Jalen Hurts has only played 11 games in this offense; has only been here for about 10 months now and it shows it shows his decision making is not always great and um, obviously with him turnovers have have really turned into a really large problem Uh, that that fumble late in the fourth quarter give TCU the the defensive back a lot of credit that was a fantastic play but also if you're Jalen Hurts that just can't happen it just can't happen at all and uh that seems to be just sort of the M.O. of this team right now. Uh, they, they turn it over a ton. They're not able to generate turnovers on the defensive side of the ball uh, themselves. And, and that's the reason why they've really struggled this season. That, that, that turnover, uh, the, the turnover differential this season, they showed a, uh, they showed a bug on the screen uh, on, uh, on the TV broadcast. They were, they're minus eight. In, in turnover margin this season in the country that's 115th in the country and you're just you know the fact that they're 10 and 1 with that is pretty remarkable and uh I think it just shows that it's a team this team just hasn't been able to reach their ceiling uh one way or the other and I don't know it, it's it's frustrating because this team has shown a, a really high ceiling at times uh but at other times it just seems like it's just not all there and um yeah, I mean, th- this is a team that can be good, but they have they've they they just really have not been able to put it all together, unfortunately. All right, so that's Grant's general thoughts on the game, and I was kind of taking some notes as I was listening to that. First time I've heard that, by the way. So it's almost like this is a regular podcast, and so I'm going to kind of react. Obviously, we can't go back and forth, but uh, I thought he made an interesting point about the early season schedule for Oklahoma and the teams that Oklahoma played and how the Sooners were able to dominate and crush teams and and in those games early and keep those teams limited on the scoreboard and get margin. And Grant made the point that maybe now as time has gone on, we're just realizing a lot of those teams just weren't very good. And, you know, at the time that was part of our concern. And we kind of wanted to see how the, the schedule would play out. And I mean it's easy to look back. The main one that stands out to to me right now is Texas. I mean, that Texas game was a battle. At the same time, though, Oklahoma dominated that game. And Texas is a loss to Texas Tech away this Saturday from being 500, from being 6-6. Six and six. And it's even more frustrating now, however many weeks later, that Oklahoma was not able to get sustained margin in that OU Texas game because if you watch the game it was a classic scenario of Oklahoma dominated the horns but yet Texas was able to make it look competitive on the scoreboard and this time of the year when Oklahoma needs some good looking wins on its resume that win at the time looked great it was a dominant win but didn't look great margin wise and now it's going to look like a win over at best when the regular season ends over a seven and five Texas team by only I think what a touchdown Oklahoma did not cover. So interesting point there by Grant, and I think he's right. He also made the point about how this offense is not the best in college football, and 
that's definitely true. The first offense that comes to mind is LSU. And I know Grant likes to use his SP plus and his advanced metrics and things like that. And I saw the updated SP plus rankings after this game that came out Sunday. And I do believe, according to that, Bill Connolly's rankings, Oklahoma still is slightly number one offensively, according to those rankings. But let's just use our eyes, guys. I mean, after watching the game again Saturday, I wasn't as down on the offense because Lincoln Riley made the point after the game, and he's exactly right. Oklahoma moved the ball against TCU. It's just turnovers killed drives. And all the turnovers happened on positive drives, and Oklahoma was moving the ball really well. And the Sooners were unable to pay off moving the ball very well with points. And so that's what skewed the scoreboard against TCU because after the game also, Lincoln Rowley acknowledged they dominated that game. Time of possession, 2-1. to one. Oklahoma had the ball for almost 40 minutes to TCU's 20. And that's the one positive about Oklahoma running the ball as much as it is and kind of being one-dimensional. It shortens the game and it makes it toward the opposing Offense has to be a little bit more precise and perfect, and it helps out Oklahoma's defense a little more. And this is kind of what we wanted, I think, the last couple of years with maybe a little more ball control with those really explosive Oklahoma offenses to keep terrible defenses off the field. Now Oklahoma can do the ball control thing, but it's almost out of necessity because the offense isn't quite as explosive right now as it has been. And so the defense is a little bit better, but of course the offense isn't quite where it was. It's still incredibly good. It's still technically elite, but... Use our eyes, everyone. Listen to this podcast. The last four weeks, it has not looked the same, and I think you heard a little bit of Grant acknowledging that. Although I will say, just to be fair again, it's I'm not as down on it coming out of the game as I was immediately after the game. That goes back to that 24-hour rule. On Jalen Hurts, I'll have more thoughts on Hurts. Grant mentioned his mental limitations. Uh, great point, though, that Grant brought up about the time Hurts has had in this offense, and that that is you have to bring that up and. At this point, I was talking to John Hoover at the game on Saturday at halftime, and we were talking about Jalen Hurts, and it's pretty clear at this point that he is a, a, a limited player. He is what we thought he would be, as Grant said, and I was talking to John about it, and John made the point that at this time, Baker Mayfield was still sitting out, redshirting, learning the offense as far as his first year on campus at Oklahoma. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts is being asked to run the offense and start and try to make a <clears throat> excuse me, try to make a playoff run. And so I think that's incredibly important. Even though Jalen Hurts has tons of college experience, he doesn't have very much experience in this Oklahoma offense. Mix that with his obvious limitations. And who knows, you know what? Maybe we're being unfair. Maybe if he was in the offense as much as or as long as Kyler, as long as Baker, he had that much time down the road to be in this offense. Maybe he would turn into a better throw of the football be more aware of certain reads that Lincoln Riley uh, schemes up for him because he's not seeing certain things right now from my eye, from my perspective. Uh, but I do think it is definitely fair to point out, and it's fair to Jalen. You have to point it out that he's only been in this offense, well, less than a year. He got here on campus on January. By the way, he brought up that TCU defensive back who made that great play on Jalen Hurts, Nook Bradford, who took the ball away from her it's great play by him so uh, I'll play a little bit more Grant's thoughts here later uh, the first 18 minutes of this game should go down into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame pretty much flawless both sides of the football was great three touchdowns Oklahoma went up 21 to nothing uh, the defense got off the field three and outs plenty of them uh, incredible complimentary football 
But then it started kind of going downhill when Oklahoma went three and out for the first time. And that was kind of early on in the second quarter. And this is where I want to get into Jalen Hurts a little bit and his limitations. And just got done talking about how he's been in the offense for less than a year. It's important to provide evidence of what I'm seeing, of why I think he's limited, and things that are happening on the field to back up those claims, just so we're not just saying general things about how he's limited, he can't throw, or he's not seeing things. Here is what here are some examples, I should say, on that three and out, the very first three and out of the game, where all three plays were plays that I think Hurts just either made a questionable decision or just didn't see it, and he's the reason why Oklahoma went three and out. And granted, he's the quarterback. He's going to be the reason why the offense is a lot of things. But here's what happened. It's first down and 10. Hurts, he gives the ball to Kennedy Brooks on that GT counter concept that we all know and love. And it worked a lot, and Oklahoma ran the ball very well on Saturday against TCU. Although on that play, he looked to have an option on that play because Hurts held the ball at the mesh point for a beat. And the defensive end that he was reading crashed in on Kennedy Brooks, yet Hurts still gave the ball to Kennedy. And that defensive end ended up making the tackle for a one-yard gain. If Hurts would have kept it, he picks up an explosive run play. And I actually brought this play up with Dusty Dvorak on Sunday, as I record this actually late Sunday, because uh, Dusty was in, and I talked with him and Brandon Whedon, actually, about the upcoming Bedlam game, and that was on the Blitz on Sunday night on News 9 in Oklahoma City and hoping to put the entire conversation that Dusty and Brandon had on the our website at some point this week because they talked for about 20 minutes and I kind of moderated it. And it was really fun. It was really neat. I'd never met Brandon Whedon before. Incredibly nice guy. He and Dusty had some great rapport and some cool stories about Bedlam and their thoughts on the upcoming game. So just a quick plug of that, but I asked Dusty to look at these plays as well that I'm going to go over with you, and I asked him about this play about Jalen keeping the ball and the mesh point, and Dusty, for the most part, agreed with me, but he gave the caveat. He said, listen, it looks this way, but there's only one person or two people that know exactly what play was called, and that's Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley. So Dusty's point was that that could have been the play call. They could have been wanting to make it look like the mesh point was held there because they were trying to show TCU something. And I think that's a important thing to point out that maybe that was the call and he, he ran the play the way Lincoln called it. And it just kind of looked like he had an option, but really he didn't. So take that into account from what I saw, what I think it could have been a bad read. So, okay, let's go to second down, second down and nine. And this is more of a problem than the first down play or the third down play coming up. This is the play that, uh, definitely separates Jalen Hurts from Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And that was a second and nine play. TCU was showing a too high safety look. And we talked about it in the preview podcast. TCU plays a lot of two man. So you need to kind of anticipate that as a quarterback. And before the snap is even made, Hurts wants to throw the ball to Lee Morris on the corner fade, on the corner fade route. He's the inside slot guy, a little slot fade. And you can tell he wants to do that the entire time because I believe Hertz is assuming that the outside receiver in the route, his curl is going to occupy the cornerback, which brings the cornerback up towards the line of scrimmage. That will allow Morris then to get into the vacated space between the corner and the safety in that cover two shell. 
And the problem is, though, it, it's two-man. They're playing two-man, not just cover two. And Morris has a man with him step for step and is never open during the play. Hertz still throws it his way, and this is a innocuous play in the game. It just It's an incomplete pass. He throws it over Morris's head out of bounds. He had no chance to even catch it. And the thing was is that Hertz was never under pressure. The offensive line did a nice job of protecting the four-man rush. And I asked Dusty about this. I said, Dusty, does that look like a good, from your perspective, is that good protection? He said, that's great protection. That's great protection by the offensive line. Yet, Jalen never worked away from that first read that he wanted to go to before the snap. And my contention is that a more savvy quarterback like a Baker Mayfield, a Kyler Murray, somebody who's been in this offense a little bit longer, works to the back or works back rather to the front side of the formation. And you know what that quarterback would see? You'd see CD lamb running a slant at the second level wide open after beating his man to the inside. And it wouldn't have been an easy throw, but it would have been a very makeable throw for Jalen hurts across the middle of the field to a player in CD lambs caliber. Who's going to come down with a lot of things. And that's a first down. You make that play. You keep the chains moving. Instead, it's third down and nine. The next play, TCU shows a three deep, three deep safety look. They just rushed three, which TCU did quite a bit on Saturday and had a little bit of success rushing three. The protection breaks down a little bit. Hertz has his eyes way downfield on that play, rolls out to his right, throws it away. It looks like Lee Morris, and this is another play I showed Dusty, he said that Morris looks like he was the read. He should have gone to Morris, but it just didn't process. I don't know if Jalen didn't see him. And or Kennedy Brooks was a safety valve underneath. You could have dropped it short of the sticks, but at least you get it out of your hands into some playmakers' hands, give them a chance to pick up the first down. Didn't happen. He throws it away. Instead of trying to force it down the field, throwing a pick, he throws it away. That's fine. You punt. But this is kind of when things started going downhill because the very next play, the defense gives up that explosive 65-yard play to Max Duggan. I know that's nothing to do with Jalen Hurts, but it's kind of like that's when I felt the momentum kind of shifting. And when we're talking about Jalen Hurts this late in the year and it seems like his play has certainly declined and he's turned the ball over quite a bit, I just wanted to point out a series where some of his decisions – certainly hindered Oklahoma, prevented them from getting a first down on the play. And then uh, the three and out led to TCU getting the ball, getting an explosive play, and TCU scoring its first touchdown. So that's a great segue into Grant's thoughts on the passing game. You know, I was I was disappointed to see C.D. Lamb um, almost essentially shut out. I know he did have that touchdown grab, uh, but only two catches in the game for 16 yards. And really, I mean, it's not just C.D. Lamb. The entire the entire passing game was largely shut down. Um, I'll have to go back and rewatch it later this week just to see exactly what TCU was doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 disappointing that OU wasn't able to get more chunk plays through the air, especially after we saw Texas Tech really burn TCU last week on, on plays down the field. And I know I know Hertz did miss Rambo uh, a time in the end zone where he had a step on the guy, and uh, those are plays you just got to make when they're there for the taking. Uh, but but really the the passing game is is just not what it has been in the uh, in the previous four seasons leading up to this year and and that's okay I don't think any of us really expected it to be that and at times this season it has been excellent and really efficient 
Um, and really, if you just look at the raw stats for this year, uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this is really one of the top passing offenses in the country. But I think all of us who have been watching this team the last month, uh, month and a half, know that this team is a little bit limited when they when when they want to throw the ball downfield, especially when Jalen Hurts has to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions. And and I think we're at the point now where Lincoln Riley understands the limitations of his quarterback. And and I just I don't going forward. I don't know how much of the of the traditional drop back passing game we're going to see. Uh, I don't really think we're going to see much of it at all. It's it's probably going to be, hey, let's see how far we can get with our run game, and then we're going to try to get chunk plays, get guys open off of the play fake. Um, but Jalen Hurts is just a, is a limited passer, and we knew that coming in. Um, and, and I think it's pretty remarkable, really, what Lincoln Riley has gotten out of him this season up to this point. Um, but. If this team wants to move forward, if they want to win a Big 12 championship, uh, if they want to do more, they're going to have to get more out of the passing game. But I, but we're running out of time here, and I, I just, I, I'm not sure if it's realistic to to fix it. And of course, anything can happen in a one game scenario. But uh, you know, once you once you get to a playoff type atmosphere, and you're going to get uh, going up against a team like that, that has had a month to prep and prepare and go over all of the tape and and everything that opponents have done to to limit you it's you have to win in the playoffs by executing a a drop back passing game and that's just not something that OU has proven that they're able to do this season so that's Grant's thoughts on the passing game and I kind of went over Hertz's that series I suppose I'll provide a little more thoughts on the passing game considering he threw a pick six so that play was a third and five it was coming out of a timeout, and Lincoln Riley had just called timeout. He was not happy about uh, Trayvon Morg not getting flagged for targeting. And I thought that was a good non-call based on the replay. It looked like it was shoulder in the helmet, and they had Dean Blandino on the broadcast that agreed with the no call. Uh, but you know, Lincoln Riley at the moment was not happy with it. So coming out of the timeout, uh, you know, they motioned CeeDee Lamb to the trip side to create trips and he runs a little out and then in tried this and he slipped a little bit and the ball came out early and it was an easy pick and an easy six and it made it 28 24 you know, after the game Riley said I want to go back and watch that I think I think we slipped a little bit meaning that I think part of it was because of lamb he slipped and that the timing got messed up and that's true it, it did get messed up because of the slip you know my question only here is that I'd like to ask and this always should be prefaced with it's ridiculous to question Lincoln Riley. He's a genius and he understands more about offense than I ever will. But just I'd like to, if I was able to ask him a fair question without him dismissing me, I'd say, you know, why not scheme up a play to CD Lamb to run a little in and out route where uh, you got all this room to the field side, the protection was good, and you give a little bit of a fake CD Lamb that is inside. And then open up to the outside, and then you got CD, who's got plenty of grass to work with, and that makes it to where Hertz's margin for error is so much bigger because he's got plenty of grass to throw it to where there's no defenders because the other two players in the trip side ran inside routes. Run CD Lamb, your best receiver, to the outside. That's a you're straining the defender because they don't have outside leverage. I'm surprised they didn't go for that route. Instead, they decided to throw it on the slant, which was a shorter throw for Jalen Hurts. And, you know, it's 
you're picking nits a bit because of what happened. It was a pick six. He doesn't slip. Maybe CD catches it and it's a touchdown or it's a first down. But just a question. Just wanted to just throwing that out there. So yeah, the deep balls he wasn't hitting them. I think I touched on that a little bit. And you know, really the the main one was that second down play that I went over a little bit about how he's just he's he's picking players he wants to throw to before the ball's even snapped. And and TCU's tough to read. That's a tough Gary Patterson defense, but. Um, you know it, the, the traditional drop back pass game. Grant brought that up. That's a pretty good point. It that's not what Oklahoma does now. It's it's all based around the quarterback run game. And I think uh, what TCU was doing a lot of the game, and this is just rewatching it one time. It really did seem like TCU was almost treating Oklahoma like an option team, and everybody was responsible for a gap doing their job and they were manning up on the outside with the receivers and they were like you know what have the defensive backs take care of the receivers if there's a pass play but for the most part we're going to have six to seven guys up near the line of scrimmage all being disciplined and gap focused to where we're not going to get out of our lanes and we're going to contain that run game and it didn't it, it worked sometimes a lot of times it didn't work and Oklahoma was able to get you know five six seven yards some chunks here and there and TCU was not afraid of Jalen Hurts on the football, and I think, I think that's my, that's that's what happened. Uh, I, that's kind of the sense I got as Grant was kind of wondering what they were doing. As far as running the ball, we haven't really gotten in depth about how Oklahoma ran the football, and uh, OU ran the ball very well. Uh, you know, more than 360 yards on the ground after the game, Lincoln Riley. Uh, you know, you might be thinking, you know, oh man, just Oklahoma too much running, too much running. Well, Riley said that they didn't really need to throw the football in the game very much because Oklahoma was running the ball so well. And he said it was partly because of what TCU was doing defensively, which just said a moment ago, I, I do think that TCU was loading up against the run, but Oklahoma was finding ways to out scheme it and still pick up yardage. But also it was just because he thought Hertz and Brooks are running the football so well. And also Riley pointed out that the offensive line, he said, it was as consistent and as physical as that group has been all year long. And he just emphasized that it was just disappointing that they weren't getting you know, the payoffs in the end with points because every time they would get down, especially late in the game, the second half, they were turning the ball over. You know, All three turnovers were coming on positive drives. Jaden Hazelwood fumbled in the first half. He was running for a first down. He got the first down, had the ball punched out, turned it over. TCU went down, I believe, kicked a field goal. The obviously the pick six happened near the goal line. That was obviously seven points that happened. Jalen Hurts, a nice drive there, running inside the ten yard line was the ball was taken away. So uh, Oklahoma doesn't turn the ball over. They capitalize on these drives. They punch it in, and the Sooners win that game by what I believe Grant's prediction was like forty eight to seventeen or something like that in the last preview podcast. And and turnovers were the difference. That's what made the, the box score look so dominant, yet the scoreboard was so close. With that, let's go to Grant's thoughts on Oklahoma's running game. I thought the running backs had had a really nice game. Uh Kennedy Brooks seemed like he he never the first guy never brought him down. He was bouncing off guys uh whenever I saw um you know, 25 carries for 149. That's a really nice night. Um, of course, only only overshadowed by Jalen Hurts carrying it 28 times. Uh, he's he's carrying it way too much. Uh, that needs to be 
they they need to look at that. But at the same time, I guess you know you're this far into the season. How how well can you you know can you change that? And also get you know give a give a shout out to Ramondre Stevenson. He was putting some licks on some guys as a lead blocker, and I thought that was really impressive. Um, they they might have something there with that two back look or two back set with Brooks and Stevenson going forward. Um, I'm hoping that's that maybe Lincoln Riley can can come up with some other creative ways to, uh, you know, maybe to confuse the defense on those. But all in all, I, I thought the running game was was good. Having that been said, there were two short yardage situations late in the game where you would have loved to be able to pick up the first down. On one of them, they didn't actually pick it up, but the the referees right at the end of the game. Uh, for some reason, said that they did. I'm not. They got a huge break on that. That was an awful, awful call. Um, but of course, before that, it was Ramondre Stevenson getting stopped, and you know, nice play by the TCU defense. But that's something that just can't happen. I mean, o- OU's got to get everyone blocked up there, and they have to pick that up. It's uh, obviously give TCU credit for for making a nice play, but um, in a situation like that, that's when you know when you're supposed to be the best offense in, in college football. You got to pick up the first down there, um, and, and then of course Hurts getting stopped, uh, obviously short of the first down there, and uh, on the very last drive of the game. But what can I say other than the Sooners got a got a huge break there, got a really big break. So I'll comment on the short yardage stuff because I haven't gone over that, and it's a good point by Grant. And the fourth down and one at the TCU forty-one yard line with three twenty to play, that was coming out of a timeout. And Oklahoma goes with a two-back set with Hurts out of the gun. And they just run a straight inside zone to Ramondre Stevenson for no gain. Here's the thing. It's easy to say, man, that's what you go with out of a timeout. And that's what I thought at the time. I, I thought that's just that's the play you run. It's just so generic. The more I thought about it, though, you know, for all I know, you know, during that timeout, Lincoln Riley, Bill Biedenboe, you know, they go to that offensive line and they say, guys, we need one yard. If you can't pick up one yard, do we even deserve to win this game? You know, that kind of a, a maybe a challenge to the offensive line. Maybe that I mean, maybe it was stress to them and they wanted just to keep it simple and rely on brute strength. Because after all, Oklahoma had been running the football mostly really well all night long and it didn't work. Give TCU credit. Maybe that's what happened. And then I listened again to the postgame presser, and Riley was asked about that. And I don't have the soundbite for you, but I have his quote. He said, I had a lot of confidence in the defense at the time. He said he also had a lot of confidence in how we were running the football. And he just felt like it was a chance for Oklahoma to go and win the game right there, get one yard. And Riley said that if I had a chance to do it again, I'd do it again. And then he added, though, with a laugh, Maybe I'd call a different play, but I'd do it again. And so, you know what? That's an acceptable, satisfactory reply to, to me. Uh, because I think at the time, it's always easy to second guess. You know, Oklahoma's got a really good offensive line. TCU, I like their front. But they were pushing TCU's front around a little bit on Saturday night. Keep it simple. Just get a push, get a yard. Maybe you want to run it and say with Jalen Hurts, you know, get that extra blocker in there, but they gave it to Stevenson. But I, I get the call. It just didn't work out. And then Grant, you know, touched on the the fortunate spot. I've mentioned that too. And he's right. I mean, Oklahoma got a break there with the with the fortunate spot. More on the offense. I I came away from the game kind of down on the offense, but after rewatching the game, 
you kind of see Oklahoma shooting itself in the foot just way too much in the middle portion of the game. And then, of course, late in the game with the pick six and the Hurts fumble when he's running free. And, you know, my main concern about the offense is probably what all of your main concerns are. It's Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I provided some examples earlier on that three and out series. Again, his deep balls just weren't connecting. He had some guys open. You know, he missed C.D. Lamb at one point on a slant in the end zone. But to his credit, and they pointed this out on the broadcast, and you could see it pretty plain live, very next play, nice back shoulder ball, touchdown pass to C.D. that kind of made up for it. It's just, again, to, to kind of piggyback on the passing game stuff, it's just it's really clear this offense is limited through the air. And, you know, that's a problem because OU's never – been a one-dimensional type offense since Riley has been here uh, it's been an offense that's incredibly balanced I do want to point out a play though it's not going to be a full film time with Lee I haven't done that in a long time some of you uh, listeners who have been around for a long time uh, know that I used to do that a little bit more I apologize I don't have it as much it's just it's so busy I don't have a full film time with Lee but there was one play that I I really enjoy that I did want to highlight and it was on second down and 16 just great play design what else is new from Lincoln Riley and this is a play where Lincoln Riley you got the sense that he knew that he he needed to scheme up an easy throw for Jalen Hurts to a wide open guy just to kind of get him going to get him into a rhythm and so this was after he took a I don't know if it was a sack or if it was a technically a run play so a tackle for loss but it was just a, a really ugly play and it was second down and 16 after a six yard loss on first down and so they came out in a three by one set and Oklahoma gave a hard run action to the boundary to the short side of the field which was the single receiver side the inside slot receiver in the trips on the field side crashes inside that's Lee Morse he's looking like he's gonna gonna find somebody to block Hertz keeps the football rolls out to his right to the field side the two wide receivers in the trips to the outside just run goes they get out of there they run their defensive backs out of the picture meanwhile lee morris stops on a dime then turns up the middle of the field which presents a wide open target for jalen hurts which is an easy pitch and catch explosive play into tcu territory i think they got like 25 30 yards on it and it's very similar to plays we've seen Lee Morris run that Lincoln Riley has in his repertoire, but this one was a little bit different. It was a little bit more, they defined it a little bit more of, of, of Morris being like a blocker on this play because the attention to detail that I noticed, again, watching the replay, is that Lee Morris stays near the line of scrimmage as he's running down the line, kind of blending in with the offensive lineman, like he's not part of the play at all. And then he turns up field as Hertz starts rolling out. I mean, it's a it's such a great concept, and it's an easy play that schemes up a wide open throw to a quarterback who, who was just not seeing it and needed a completion for explosive play yards, and he got that. Uh, and and so I just wanted to highlight that play. It was on second down and sixteen uh, in the second half, and uh, later on that drive, unfortunately. I believe actually that was uh, that was the third quarter, late third quarter, early on in the fourth quarter. The draft continued. Uh, that same exact drive though was whenever Hurts threw that pick six. So that drive again, it was a a drive that was moving, but ended up not not ending any points for Oklahoma. 
All right, let's move on to the defense, and we'll begin the defensive segment with Grant's thoughts. The defense largely played well. All you have to do is look at the numbers. TCU barely had over 200 yards of offense. They averaged about four and a half yards per play. Um, Max Duggan was essentially a non-factor through the air. He only threw for 65 yards. Uh, Of course, through that pick right at the end of the game, that really, really nice play by Buki. Um, You know, give give the secondary credit. They they didn't make life easy on Max Duggan really at all the entire game. And and honestly, the the defense made life pretty difficult on on uh, on TCU's offense just in general. You take away that long Max Duggan run in the in the first or in the second quarter. They, they just really don't have a whole lot of success, uh, sustained success on offense whatsoever in that game, um, which, is, which is nice to see. I thought the defense came out with a lot of intensity. Um, of course, TCU scored on those three consecutive drives in the second and third quarter. You would like to get off the field there, but at the same time, the offense did put the defense in difficult positions again, and uh, that's, that's just not a, that's a losing proposition, and uh, it, it, it is nice to see the defense be able to bail out the offense, but... If, if everyone remembers, last season we lamented the fact that even when the defense did play well last season, it seemed like the offense would go in lulls, like right at, you know, at, the, at, the, at the worst possible times. And that's continuing into this season. When the defense is playing really well like, like they were during parts of this game, the offense completely goes into a shell. And that's, uh, that's disappointing to see. I don't know if that's a fluke. I don't know if that's a mentality thing. But that's something that needs to be corrected. It, it's it's an issue uh, because I, I thought the defense played played well enough today for the offense just to kind of put this thing away and win by thirty. And uh, the fact that they weren't able to do that in a spot where it felt like they needed to do that uh, that that shows maybe there's a mentality or a, or a maturity problem on this team, which is uh, which is disappointing, especially for a team that's led by by such a seasoned veteran and Jalen Hurts, but. Uh, this is a young team, and, and perhaps we're seeing the fruits of that uh, just with all of the mistakes. And uh, they've they've largely been able to overcome these mistakes this season, and perhaps that will serve them well in later seasons. Um, but as of right now, those those mistakes are looking like it's it's gonna it's gonna keep them from achieving what their main goals were to start the season. So Grant's thoughts on the defense. Um, it was nice to see the defense at times bail out the offense. Uh, and yeah, he's right about how when the defense played well last year, the offense would randomly not play well. And, and Oklahoma's offense last year obviously was incredibly good with Kyler Murray and, and the like. You know, it's uh, complimentary football, and that's what Lincoln Riley wants. And we saw some fantastic complimentary football for the first 19 minutes of the game when Oklahoma jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead the defense forced three three and outs four punts in the first four series TCU only managed one first down and on third down third down defense actually as I I pull up the stats from the game I know the third down defense was fantastic for OU one of nine held TCU to one of nine on third downs fantastic only 204 yards allowed just think Max Duggan's long quarterback run went for 62 so take away that one run which it still counts but just for fun let's take it away Oklahoma has given up 140 yards the entire game so the defense did play well 
Makes sense. I did want to highlight a couple of people from the first part of that game when everything was going well for both sides of the football. Jalen Redmond got the start, batted a ball down early on, ended up getting a sack in another series. Kenneth Murray was really good early on. He got a sack as well, along with Laron Stokes. Uh, great job by Kenneth Murray on that screen pass to Alana Lua. If Kenneth Murray doesn't recognize that play and make the tackle and get through potential blocks, Alana Lua might score on that play because there's nobody else on that side of the field. There, there's a deep safety that could have been able to come over and help last second, but uh, Alana Lua is not a burner, so maybe there would have been people from the other side of the field catching him, but it would have been a massive explosive play if not for Kenneth Murray's heady, heady, uh, if not for Kenneth Murray making a great play there. So I wanted to point him out for that. And also, Trey Brown, fantastic tackle on third down, I believe early on in the second quarter, that forced a punt, playing up, playing press man coverage, and Duggan runs that speed option, and he's got to shift from thinking, uh, this could be a pass play, to all of a sudden, oh, this is a run play. I got to get off a block, and not only do I got to get off a block, I got to make a play, he beats the block and is able to get a piece of Duggan's foot and tackle him, triple, uh, trip him up. That's a great play by Trey Brown. And if you've listened to this podcast a long time, you know me. I I love great defensive back play. We haven't seen a whole lot of it since I've been doing this podcast, to be honest with you, at Oklahoma. But when we do see it, especially in run support, that is bonus points, man, because I like cornerbacks this day and age. Just cover. Be really good at preventing the other team from catching passes and getting yards. But if you can also come up and stop the run, I mean, those are elite, elite plays. And so I wanted to highlight Trey Brown for that. That was a fantastic play. We fast forward. Uh, this is kind of just me grab-bagging defensive thoughts. That's the way I have my notes set up. Third quarter, uh, you know, TCU goes down and scores a touchdown. Uh, this play was maybe the worst play of the game for the defense when Max Duggan runs that speed option ends up dragging four or five Sooners into the end zone with the help of his own teammates. And Oklahoma, to that point in the game, was inviting the speed option from Max Duggan. It was the same formation on that touchdown run that uh, is the same play as well, that he broke that 60-plus yard run in the first half that kind of got the the wheels spinning, got, got things going for TCU. And the inability to set the edge by Oklahoma's defense, and on these plays, didn't even seem like they were trying to create an edge. Just It kind of just makes me scratch my head. And that touchdown made it 21-17 to in the third quarter. Now to a positive, though. And Grant mentioned it a little bit in his thoughts. After that Nook Bradford play where he took the ball away from Jalen Hurts, the defense went out there and got a three and out in the fourth quarter. And that was fantastic. First and ten. I just said some negative things about that speed option. Well, adjustments were obviously made because the OU defense was ready and it finally stopped that speed option. DeLarian Turner-Yell rushes up from his safety spot to force Duggan to pitch early. Kenneth Murray pushes Darius Anderson out. I thought it was for a loss of a yard, but they ended up saying there's no gain. Then on the very next play, Neville Gallimore gets a bull rush up the middle, blows up the play. It causes Duggan to step up. Ronnie Perkins gets a sack. I think he might have got back to the line of scrimmage, so maybe it technically wasn't a sack. But still, great play there. And then on third down, there was a dump-off pass that was juggled and incomplete. But even if he would have caught it, uh, Radley Hiles was coming up, and he would have made a tackle. And and the defense steps up after a, a really bad turnover by Jalen Hurts. 
So well done by the defense there. And then also got to give credit to the defense again later in the game after Oklahoma was stopped on fourth and one. TCU got the ball back. It was first and 10 at the OU 44-yard line. And once again, TCU goes to its bread and butter speed option formation. We've seen that 60-plus yard run. We had seen that touchdown run by the quarterback on this formation. But this time, Oklahoma sees it and defends it perfectly. Ronnie Perkins gets upfield. He sets that edge finally, which forces Duggan to try to cut it back inside right into the hands of Neville Gallimore, who just falls on him, just just collapses him down uh, for a loss of yards there. Uh, and then on, it got to a third down, and I want to point out Parnell Motley on third and six, and he had a couple of penalties in the game, grabbing and tugging Jalen Rager. And you know what? Some of them were okay because Rager might have beaten him deep, and it might have been an explosive play, maybe even a touchdown. So sometimes those holding plays, especially in college football where it's just a 15-yard penalty, are you can forgive it. Uh, and also sometimes it's sometimes a smart play. But I wanted to point out on third and six on this drive, Motley on Rager again does a great job just erasing him on the outside, takes him out of the play. They even did a, an ISO shot of him uh, on the broadcast, and it was it was really good coverage by Motley. The defensive line gets pressure, forces Duggan out of the pocket, and that's important too on this play because if you watch it back, if Duggan has a clean pocket and doesn't have to to move and try to extend the play, he has a receiver running a drag across the field with a little bit of space. And I think he makes that throw, and, and they get a chance to convert. Instead, he's got to throw it away, which brings up that fourth down play that you heard in the intro with Brendan Radley-Hiles picking the ball off. And it, it looks like Oklahoma's going to survive and win the game, but obviously they had to get that, that first down later. But Radley-Hiles on the play, he's one-on-one -on -one with tight end Pro Wells. Huge size mismatch. Probably why Duggan went that way. But Radley-Hiles undercut the route made a great play, and I know an incomplete pass would have been better for field position, but I'm okay with the takeaway because these guys need to keep that mindset and need to be reminded that they can actually get those takeaways. And then, of course, uh, you know that third and one spot, offensively, the OU caught a break. So uh, those are my overall defensive thoughts. Real quick, Caleb Kelly was out there. Uh, Lincoln Riley said he thought he gave – Gave them a, a bit of a spark. He felt good out there. Uh, played limited snaps, but he was out there for some important plays in the game. So good to see Caleb Kelly out there. He was really happy after the game, and and he, he talked about how there's really not a plan right now about the four-game redshirt thing. So they're just going to see what happens. If Oklahoma makes the national championship game and, and he plays a fifth game potentially, then I guess they'll make a decision then. But right now it's kind of game to game, and, and he's just happy to be playing. Maybe we'll have more thoughts on Caleb Kelly later in the week as, as I try to kind of wrap this podcast up here somewhat quickly. But I do have more thoughts from Grant. And then we also have three-word reviews coming up. And I have two more pieces of audio to play from Grant as I find it right now. And Grant titled this one, Not a Playoff Team. Let's see where he's going to go with this. So this team is very obviously not really what we think about when we think of a playoff team. And I know a lot of people are already going off and saying, you know, this is definitely not a playoff team. Um, I, you know, I, I agree with that to an extent. This is not, this doesn't have the look of a playoff team, but the reality is they are, they're still right in it. Um, Oregon lost on Saturday night, as, as I have predicted on the, on the podcast earlier this week, uh, said they were a fraud. And uh, I, I absolutely think that that is true. 
Um, having that been said, I mean, their, their loss opens things up for Oklahoma. It really does. And although I do think Utah right now is pretty clearly a better team than Oklahoma, uh, they're, just, they, they're just not going to have the pelts on the wall uh, that re- to really stack up against Oklahoma. So, you know, Utah's really going to have to rely on that eye test metric uh, going forward. But, you know, yeah, OU doesn't really have the look of a playoff team. But at the same time, four teams have 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 to make it eventually, and I think OU if they went out now, uh, they're they probably got a better than fifty percent chance of getting in there just because they're going to have a a resume that is just a whole heck of a lot better than Utah's. Um, once they're in the playoffs, do I think they can win a game? No, no, not not really. I think this team is capable on like a one game scenario of of pulling off an upset and beating somebody, but are, does is that is that likely? Extremely unlikely, I would say. They're just, they have too many warts on both sides of the ball right now. Um, give them credit for scratching and clawing and coming away with the wins. I mean, they're 10 and 1. It's good to win 10 games in a season. Um, but of course, after being 7 and 0 and, and flashing the ceiling that this team did in the early parts of the year, I think it, it, it you know, it, it feels a little bittersweet. Uh, just because I, I think a lot of us did think that this this team maybe was capable of competing for a national title, and um, just flatly going to say now that's 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 a pipe dream at this point in time. They're uh, they, they got a lot of problems as a team that they need to iron out for sure. Their goals are still ahead of them. They can still theoretically get a lot better in these next two games, going to Bedlam and then playing the Big Twelve title game. But uh, this is four straight games where we've seen this now. And it's it's not a fluke anymore. It's a trend, and this is this is probably just who this team is. So my take on Oklahoma's playoff chances right now. You all know that I'm not that into the playoff rankings right now. And we had a huge debate on the show. And I get where Grant's coming from, and, and a lot of you are on Grant's side, and that's fine. Uh, I I understand the the schedule argument, and it's it's totally fair. Uh, Oklahoma on paper schedule looks better than Oregon's and Utah's Uh, but I think it's maybe subconsciously a big part of the reason why I wasn't that bothered by it is just the way Oklahoma's been playing the last few games before the TCU game and it's just it's tough to argue for Oklahoma just the the way they're the way they're playing compared to you know what Utah looked like last week and Oregon looked like last week before Oregon got beat and then it just it happens again against TCU and so Oregon uh Arizona State, obviously a huge assist to Oklahoma. They basically just gave the Sooners a huge mulligan because Oklahoma needed to make a statement and dominate TCU if Oregon was going to win that game over Arizona State because they needed to show, hey, we are really good and we're more impressive than Oregon. But Oregon losing gives Oklahoma another week of a a somewhat close – not very impressive win they can kind of skate by still and they still have a chance it's all it's they can be better next week it's it's very crazy uh so i'm certainly more with grant now about you know it's all the end of the season that's i've always been leading up to when that last game uh that last playoff ranking comes out and the full resumes are in that's whenever we're going to have our thoughts and i just i figured you know Oklahoma State coming up, a ranked team. No Spencer Sanders, so maybe they'll get docked for that. I don't know, but still a road win over a ranked team. That'll look good. And then obviously a win over a Baylor again, 
who looked incredibly good against Texas. That would be another good win for Oklahoma, and the resume would be there. I will say one other caveat, though. The one other team that, that Saturday helped out quite a bit is Alabama. And I hate to say it, but uh, Oregon losing and then Oklahoma not looking very good. Uh, I suppose Utah dominating Arizona doesn't really help Alabama. But if all these teams kind of look blah, these one-loss, even one-loss champions in Alabama, even with Mac Jones, let's say Jones comes in and, and looks really good against Auburn, and they don't miss much of a beat without Tua in there, and the defense looks good, and, and they beat Auburn well, it, that's going to give Alabama some ammo if other teams are looking very good. However, the committee certainly has the opportunity, even if Bama beats Auburn convincingly, when Alabama's not playing on championship Saturday when everybody else is playing, the committee will have an opportunity to, to make the, you know, the excuse of, hey, this team wasn't playing today, so we can't give them any credit. Therefore, they have a chance to to get knocked down. So, uh, those are my my playoff thoughts right now. They kind of align with Grant's in a lot of ways. All right, we have one more piece of audio to play from Grant, and he's titled this one "Moving Forward and Final Thoughts." So let's get those now. Moving forward, this is a team that's got to get mentally right. You know, they've they, they've ju- they just clinched a, a spot in the Big Twelve Championship, so that that is going to happen. They're going to have an opportunity to play for their fifth consecutive Big 12 title. And, you know, that's that's a hell of an accomplishment if they're able to pull it off. Um, but they're going to have to get a lot better up to this point. And uh, moving forward this week, they, they need to figure out the mentality of this team. They need to try to figure out, you know, hey, why have we gotten out to big leads in two of these last four games? And then just to see them evaporate, to see the other team come back and make it a game in the fourth quarter. And they just and to have you know to need the defense to bail them out at the end. What? Why is that happening? Why? Why? Where is the killer instinct on offense? Is is that because they're not able to execute a really high level drop back passing game? Is it because you know teams? Is, is it because the book is out on them now on offense and they are just forced to grind out drives because they can't drive the ball down the field because of their limitations in the passing game? Um, they need to figure this out. They, they got to because they're going to go into a really tough environment next Saturday. And I know Spencer Sanders isn't going to be playing, so that'll make things probably a little easier on the defense. But they're still going to be going up against one of the best players in college football in Chuba Hubbard. And you know that, you know that Mike Gundy is, 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 you know, is going to see all of the success the other offenses had against OU the last four games. And they're going to try to put Chuba Hubbard in the best position possible to take advantage of any sort of weaknesses they can find on tape. So I think the big thing going forward is this, this offense needs to get right in the head. Uh, they, just, they just don't look right. And um, they're, 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 they're having glitches in the worst possible times. These turnovers need to be fixed. And um, the thing that I'm worried about is that 11 games into the season, this, this might just be who they are, and it's difficult to fix. So um, what I think this team is, I think... I think this is a a good to really good team that has flashed a really high ceiling, but they just don't have it, and and that's okay. There's lots of college football seasons. There's going to be you know there's been many before this year, and there's going to be many after this season, and you're not always an amazing team, and that's okay. Sometimes you just are what you are, and uh, if you really want to take kind of the Homer half glass full approach to this, everything they want to accomplish is still ahead of them. They're still capable of going out and, and, and coming up with an impressive performance on the road next week in Stillwater. 
They're still capable of doing the same thing in Dallas two weeks from now against Baylor. They're going to have to figure things out really quickly here, though, because they need to put together two really impressive games. Because as I watch this, Utah is beating Arizona 21 to nothing on the road, and Utah, frankly, is just a better team than OU right now. I know they don't have the resume for it, but they just look a lot better. This is just a, a, a team that makes plays you know, more so in, in big moments, and OU does not. And so I, I think that's something that t- the committee is probably going to weigh. And, and OU needs, needs to get right. They need to get better. But they're really running out of opportunities. And um, we'll see if, if they can do that. This is where Jalen Hurts' leadership ability is big. This is where CeeDee Lamb is big. And this is also, frankly, where Lincoln Riley needs to needs to do a better job. And um, it's something they're capable of doing. But like I said, they're running out of time, and, and we'll see if they're able to pull it off here in these next two weeks. All right, good stuff there from Grant. And I'll be honest with you all, I uh, am recording this in the middle of the night Sunday, and I'm afraid that I might be bothering some of my neighbors. So three-word reviews. Fortunately, I'm going to try to blow through these as quick as I possibly can so I can shut up and hopefully not be waking people up. This is the the lengths we go to to bring you west of Everest. So I'm on Twitter right now. So guys, thank you for all the three-word reviews. We got tons of them yet again. Let's go to Jed, my coworker at News 9. He's got a few of them. I'm going to read the top one. Playoff committees vexed. Yeah, you know, what to make of Oklahoma. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they think on Tuesday. Chase, great at inconsistency. That is absolutely true. Grant and I's cousin says survive and advance. He's also a K-State fan. Not a great uh, two weeks ago for K-State losing to West Virginia, but uh, that happens. Uh, OU radio crew. Cardiac Kids 2.0. Uh, David, and I believe David's used this one before. My chest hurts, and hurts is all caps. Jalen Hurts is, is making it pretty stressful for a lot of people. Uh, Nathan says, thank you, defense. Defense coming up big. Uh, Skip always has a lot of three-word reviews. He says, 21 nothing." OU's nemesis. <laughs> Oklahoma just cannot hold a big lead. Um, lucky, lucky, lucky. Oklahoma did get a lot of breaks, I got to say, despite turning it over so much. Uh, Skip also has ready for Rattler. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Rattler anytime soon uh, unless this season goes goes down. There's not much else to play for. But uh, this is Jalen Hurts' team, and, and I think we all kind of know it. Uh, Sooner Scoop Trash Can says, refs save OU. Certainly helped out Oklahoma a lot in that last play. P two three five seven zero always seems to have some good three word reviews. More hurts turnovers. Uh, Andy says just win, baby. That's fair, and I'll just throw mine out here. It'll be kind of like along the lines of my opening take. Winning is okay. Sometimes winning is just okay. Uh, Corey. Corey's right about this as far as the other elite teams. Corey says, OU isn't elite. (laughs) Uh, This good one from Joel. Jim Mora rant. Of course, Joel referencing the Jim Mora famous playoffs. 
playoffs? Can't even win a game. <laughs> so excellent one there by Joel. Oh, Aaron coming in off the top rope on on Jalen Hurts. Saban wasn't wrong. Uh, referencing, obviously, Saban going to Tua instead of Hurts. Uh, don't have time to get into this now, but Grant and I have debated, or not debated, but we've claimed many a time on this podcast that going to Jalen Hurts, or I'm sorry, going to Tua Tungavailoa in that national title game a couple of years ago was like such an easy decision for Nick Saban and everyone made it out to be like some amazing decision. If, if you want to know why it's super easy, we've had it in podcasts before. If you really want to know, reach out to us and we'll tell you our thoughts or we'll point you to the right podcast. Uh, Sooner fan says finish the game. Well, they finished. It's just the margin wasn't there. <laughs> Brian has lots of them. Uh, the Brian's just trying to trigger me with this one. Big 10 team, not a big, not a big Big Ten fan, but man, the, the time of possession, all the running, eh, Brian's got a point. Brian, another one, uh, he puts in parentheses at least, and then his three-word review is, we aren't Oregon. Oregon fans, that's that's got to be tough. Uh, let's see, as I'm going through Twitter, this is all from Twitter, great job, guys. <laughs> Jay says, fumbles are bad. A lot of them from Jalen Hurts lately. <laughs> Kelly says, this team cray. <laughs> uh, Gonzo Strangelove always coming in with a lot of three-word reviews. Referencing Jalen Hurts' press conference last week, he says, I'll fix that. And uh, Jalen talked about ball security and said, I'll fix it. Well, he, it wasn't fixed for the TCU game. Dylan says, lack offensive identity. Well, I, I don't know if they lack identity right now. They're, they're a running team. I mean, they're they're almost uh, they're just a big-time run team. And Lincoln Riley just they wanted to run it a lot because they're running up pretty well against TCU. Uh, and finally, Shane, not top four. So that's from Twitter. Let's go over to Facebook. Justin's got tons. Organs a fraud. And he puts in Grant's voice. So very nicely done, Justin. Referencing the last podcast. Championship game secured. True. Let's see. Fans stayed late. They certainly did better than the Iowa State game. But uh, still some empty seats in the student section late in that game. But that's going to happen at OU games. Buki gets takeaway. Uh, and, and Justin's got a lot of them. We go to the Facebook page if you want to read all of Justin's. The last one I'll read is not impressing committee. And I agree with that 100%. Allen gives props to the defense, says great defensive performance. It was. I mean, the defense played really well. Needs some little more help from the offense. Uh, Ned, inconsistent play continues. And, I mean, this has uh, kind of been clear the last couple weeks, but just to be uh, to drive it home, Ned's exactly right about this one. No Heisman three-peat. Uh, Jalen Hurts, still pretty good chance he'll be in New York for the Heisman, but he ain't winning it this year. Let's see. Trey, a little more positive, some positive stuff. Trey says, playoff chance looming. He's right. Oklahoma's still in it. Defense wins championships. Defense is playing better. Now it's just the offense needs to play a little better too, and the defense needs to be consistent. Uh, interesting one from Allen. I think we've already had Allen before, but another one. Developing gritty determination. 
I hope. I hope they are. I mean, these are some ugly wins, but Oklahoma's winning, save for the Kansas State game. And if they can kind of put things together, figure it out, and take that mentality of we know we're going to win and then maybe start getting some margin, that's a pretty dangerous mixture there for other teams. Derek, help from officials. That's so true. And Buki saved us, also from Derek. Uh, Tyler says, don't trust Jalen. I mean, he's he's hit and miss right now. That's fair. Uh, more from uh, more from the Spencer Rattler crowd. Johnny says, ready for Rattler. Uh, Travis hurts hurts us. I mean, I think he helps more than hurts, but it's it's yeah, it's it's tough to overlook these mistakes lately, man. And I mean, how about this one? This is the the last one. And Brad, this is a good one. More on Jalen Hurts. Hurts roller coaster. That's what it is right now. There's highs, there's lows. That's the Jalen Hurts experience right now for the Oklahoma Sooners. All right, guys, as always, thanks again for all the three-word reviews. I know one of the iTunes reviewers mentioned that three-word reviews is one of his favorite segments. Uh, or, so I'm glad that that's resonating well with you all, and we always get a lot of feedback on those. So, All right, that's it for today. Another, uh, another podcast in the books. I know kind of a weird one this week or today I should say Grant's not going to be available for the next show either however I do have a couple more pieces of audio from him that he recorded before he left for Vegas I'll play those on the next podcast he's got thoughts on Grant Calcaterra and also of course he's got some thoughts on Oklahoma State also plan on a little bit of a later release date for the next episode my hope is to get it all out to you by Thursday this week so maybe a nice little Thanksgiving treat for you guys until then for Grant who is in Vegas I am Lee This is West of Everest.